to talk to you this morning about embracing almond branches. What in the world does that mean? Well, let's take a look at scripture. And I'll try to make this brief. I know we went, the Lord went a little long in worship today. So, um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Isn't it fun? I mean, isn't it, doesn't it feel like, like Jesus just gives you purpose when we come together and we begin to pray over each other and we begin to prophesy over each other and speak life over the people that are struggling in our midst, that you feel like you have purpose in life. Would everybody agree with that? Amen. That's because you do have purpose. <laughs> and that's your purpose. <laughs> you found it. And that is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So, one moment. If you have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen too, but... I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 30. We're going to read all of Genesis 30 and then the first 13 verses of Genesis 31. There's a story that I want to read to you guys. It's going to take a moment, but that's okay. Um, have you ever had these moments where, you know, the Bible, the Bible will... All of the Old Testament is constantly pointing to Jesus, right? Amen. Like every single story you look at, it's just revealing through his, his ancestors, the story of Jesus, all the way up to Jesus and then beyond even. Um, and so you can look at some of these stories and you can constantly pull out these prophetic images that are pointing to Jesus. But have you ever had those moments where you read a story in the Bible and God teaches you something completely different than what the story intended for you to learn? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, he just breathes something different on it, and you see it in a totally different light. And you think, I don't think that's originally why God made this take place, but thank you, Holy Spirit, that's really helpful. <laughs> it happens, I mean, it, it happens to me with more than just the Bible. I'll watch a movie, and God, at, at the beginning of the credits, the opening credits, God will say, I'm going to speak to you in this movie. And I'm like, oh, Okay. And then I pay attention, and then like he just starts to paint this picture through the story, and he teaches me lessons about the kingdom. Because the Holy Spirit is our what? Teacher. Yeah. I had already said it. I gave you a hint. But you still didn't get it. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. For those of you who have never heard me before, my humor is about as dry as the Sahara Desert. So just be aware of that. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> um, but thank you. So Genesis 30, starting, I'm sorry, we're not going to read the whole chapter. We're starting at verse 25. Um, and I'm just going to read through it really quick so you, we kind of get oriented to it, and then I'm going to talk about it some, and then we'll see what else that the Lord has for us. So it starts out, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you, Jacob. Name your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, you know 
You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household? So remember, Jacob first came to Laban. Laban is his his father-in-law. Yeah. Um, I, there's so many different things I have to... I constantly forget who's related to who. But... Um, Isaac dies, and then Jacob is sent away because, remember, he cheats. Yeah, Jacob's a cheater. Just remember that in this story. Jacob is a cheater, and you reap what you sow, right? So Jacob cheats his brother out of not only the inheritance, his father's inheritance, but also out of his father's death blessing, that the blessing that he releases that he was going to release over Esau, Jacob tricks him into blessing him instead, right? Which is such a just strange story to me, why God honors blessing so much, even when somebody tricks you into blessing them. <laughs> I mean, it's in the Bible. You can ask him about it when you get there, I guess, or before. Um, so that's, this is where we're at. He runs off, he goes, and he starts serving Laban. He decides that he wants to marry Laban's daughter, Rachel. And so they come up with an agreement that they're going to, he's going to work for seven years, right? And then he's going to get Rachel as his wife. Now, how many of you men would work seven years for your wives? Your hands did not go up fast enough. <laughs> In fact, many of you didn't even raise your hands. Those hands better be flying in the air. I don't care if you're lying. Just do it anyway. <laughs> it's better for you. So he works for seven years, and then somehow, I don't know how this happens, but he ends up with the wrong woman on the wedding night. I mean, there must have have been a lot of wine at that wedding or something, because I have still can't understand how that would take place. Um, and Laban tricked him, yeah. So you reap what you sow. Um, but he still had the blessing of God on his life. He still had the blessing that originally, I mean, it's flowing down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, and it's going to continue to flow all the way down to Jesus, and then guess who becomes Jesus' descendants? We get to be Jesus' descendants, and we get the same exact blessing. We're a part of that blessing. So don't you think it's important for us to see how God specifically blessed them so that we can come to God and we can use it as a, as a learning moment to know, oh, if you're blessing them the same way and I'm your descendant, just as much as Jacob was Abraham's descendant, then that means that I should be getting blessed the same exact way that Jacob's getting blessed, right? That's just the way blessing works. Um, So finally, he works another seven years, he gets Rachel, and everything he's doing is prospering Laban, Um, even though they're both cheats. (laughs) 
And so that's, that's where we're at right now. So finally he's ready to leave. He's done with Laban. He wants to go live his own life. And he says, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And that shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me when you come to look into my wages with you, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and, and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day, here's another cheat, that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. So they made this agreement, sure, your wages will be all of the sheep and goats that have some kind of coloration to them, that aren't just pure white. And then all the pure white goats and sheep or whatever, I don't know how it works, they all get to stay with Laban. But then he switches it and he knows, but everything that Jacob pastures will be blessed. So I'm going to have my sons take care of all your sheep and you're going to take care of all my sheep so that my sheep increase and yours don't. So he's cheating him again. This, this story just is a lovely story. I just love it so much. It's so strange to me. Um, then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees. Now, I'm just going to refer to these as almond branches, okay? Because poplar and plane trees aren't nearly as pretty. So Jacob took fresh almond branches, just for the sake of analogy, and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs. That is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Obviously, that's what would happen. <laughs> I don't know if this actually works. I don't know if anybody since then has actually tried to see if this is like a natural thing that happens or a supernatural thing but I'm guessing that it's a supernatural thing that took place. Um, it's just wild. Where was I? And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and the black in the flock of Laban, uh, and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler 
would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus, the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. So he had all the white sheep, right? All the just pure white sheep that belonged to Laban. He takes them in front of these sticks while they're drinking water and then they begin to mate. And when they're looking at the sticks as they mate, they become, their offspring becomes speckled and spotted. Right? Everybody clear on that? So now, imagine how long this must have taken. So then, those grow up, and some of those become strong. And then he takes those and mates them with the white sheep, and he, and he does this process all over again until basically all of the stronger ones are becoming speckled and spotted and all of the weak ones are just the white sheep that belong to Laban. Now it gets more interesting because you would think, oh, Jacob's playing another trick on Laban, but this is actually God that's doing it this time. God can be a trickster sometimes. Just want you to know that. He tricked me many times into, you know, not being an idiot. Um, (laughs) You're laughing because God did it to you too. (laughs) All right. So now we're into Genesis 31. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them. Okay, so now he, Jacob is now, telling his two wives the story of everything that had just taken place. He hadn't told them this yet. He kept it secret, I guess. Um, And this is what he tells them. Somewhere. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did, but... The God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted, or would have. Then God would have made all of the flock be spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, Then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Now he's still talking to them, okay? He's still telling them this whole story. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob... And I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. 
I don't know what that word is. Maybe I should look things up before I preach. Um, For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Now, when we look at this story, it's, I mean, it's absolutely crazy how this all happened. But you can look at it from a lens of some kind of messianic prophecy about Jesus coming. We have stripes on these branches, right? What happened to Jesus? He was wounded for our transgressions. It's his stripes that heal us. So we knew that the, that, that, that was prophecy about Jesus being whipped and that you literally would be able to see stripes on his body from it um, until all of his flesh was just completely torn. Um, so we know that there's something in it about Jesus and that when the sheep would come and, and look at the stripes, they would become what it is that they looked at. So we see this prophetic image for us. We come to Jesus. We see the wounds of Jesus. We see what he did on the cross for us, and we become like him, right? You behold what you, you become what you behold. Um, and it's interesting, too, that, that all, so, so Jacob then also kind of represents a shepherding picture of who Jesus would be, right? Jesus ends up being our shepherd. Jacob is a shepherd. And so, let me, I'm trying to get this out right so it makes sense. So Jacob was taking all of the spotted and speckled sheep, right? Well, what do pure sheep represent? Holiness, right? Like you had to take a pure sheep, a pure white sheep, and that would be your sacrifice that would cover your sins. Well, Jesus becomes that lamb that takes away the sins of the world, right? So, but Jesus said that he didn't come for people who were well. He came for those who were sick, right? So all of these spotted and speckled, which is us, Before we knew Jesus, right? You were spotted and speckled in every way possible. And you end up in the flock of Jacob, not the flock of Laban, right? Laban has his own cheat flock where everyone seems perfect, right? It kind of represents this religiosity, if you will. He kind of represents Pharisees where, you know, They're already holy. Why would Jesus come for them? Jesus came for those who actually needed a physician. Um, So we can look at it that way. That would be the natural way, I think, that people would read through the story and look at it. But I felt like the Lord started showing me something totally different in this story that we need to pay attention to because it's what God is doing in this season. Okay? But first, I have to talk to you about dreams. How many of you dream? I mean, like, you go to sleep at night, and you have a dream. How many of you dream regularly? How many of you have ever had a single dream in your entire life? (laughs) Probably should be everybody, right? I'm going to tell you all of the people that received 
prophetic words in the Bible through dreams that it talks about. Like these are stories where God spoke to someone in a dream. Now we can look at the prophets and assume, yes, probably Isaiah had dreams. Probably Ezekiel had dreams, even though they don't necessarily say, I heard you know, the Lord's voice in a dream, or I got this in a dream. They just kind of give these prophetic words, and they don't really always explain how they got the prophetic word. People just assume, oh, they must have heard the audible voice of the Lord and, and wrote it down. But that's not always the case. Um, if it was that easy, then it wouldn't take maturity to be able to deliver the prophetic word of the Lord to people. Like you have to, you have to grow in spiritual intelligence with God and able to understand the deep mysteries that are within him. And even Jesus, when he walked on the earth, what did he teach in? He taught in parables, right? And half the peop- most of the people didn't even know what he was talking about. His own disciples didn't know what he was talking about. That's kind of like how dreams are, right? Like how many of you wake up out of a dream and you think that was so crazy, I don't know how that could even have been from God. And then you kind of just disregard it. And don't think about it. Or you fall back to sleep, and you don't steward your dreams. I'm one of them, okay? Trust me. Um, So, in the Old Testament, dreams carried weight. Like, in, in all areas of society, all the nations, they believed in interpreting dreams, because they were very spiritual people. Now, us in America, we just like to be analytical and... You know, science is our God, and if we can't explain it with science, then, you know, it must not exist, right? But that's, that is such a modern way of thinking. For thousands of years, nobody thought that way. Because it's, because <laughs> God didn't intend for us to think that way. God intended for us to have faith. It's natural for a person to have faith in the supernatural, and it takes a society that makes science and and just thinking God, and then they crush the faith in people for the supernatural. That's why when you go to another nation, all these miracles break out, because they have faith in the supernatural, because it's natural for them to have faith in the supernatural. But in America, we lose our nature in the supernatural by listening to what is unnatural. Some of you need to write that down, <laughs> verbatim. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I come up with this stuff. I guess it's God speaking. I don't know. Um, so in the, in the Old Testament, people valued dreams. There wasn't this idea that like, oh, I had a dream and it just must have been something I ate last night. Like that, show me a Bible verse where, that, where somebody says that it was pizza that caused them to have dreams. <laughs> Of course, show me a Bible verse where they mention pizza in the first place. Um, I don't think pizza existed back then. It was us Americans who invented it, right? Um, so, so in the Old Testament, they valued dreams. Abraham, his first encounter, well, the, the encounter that we know where God releases the promise over Abraham that, you know, his offspring will be like the stars in the sky. That took place at night, right? Like, you could argue that he was in a, in a dream 
like state? Have you ever been in, kind of in between dreaming and you're awake, like you're, you're in the process of falling asleep and then you start experiencing something? It, Abraham could have been experiencing something like that, but we know it happened at night. Well, let me list some other people that had dreams. Abimelech, Jacob, Laban has a dream later from God, Joseph, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's cupbearer, Pharaoh's baker, the, uh, a man in the Midian army that Gideon would then destroy. Remember, Gideon comes down the mountain and he hears these two people in the enemy camp, the Midianite camp, and they start talking about this dream that a barley loaf came rolling, tumbling down the mountain and it wiped out our camp. And, and Gideon is standing there listening outside the tent. <laughs> He's listening outside the tent and then this wicked, evil... Midianite army who doesn't know God, they're interpreting the dream saying, oh, the barley loaf, it must be none other than Gideon and he's coming to destroy us. (laughs) So Gideon didn't even have the dream. (laughs) It was the army that he was going to defeat that had the dream. Solomon had a dream. Solomon received wisdom, the spirit of wisdom in his dream. Job had, a, had many dreams. Daniel dreamed and was described to have understanding in all visions and dreams. Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. Wicked king. Why is God speaking to him? God can speak to wicked kings through dreams and expects us to be able to interpret to them. Mary and Joseph have dreams. The magis, the wise men who would visit, received instructions in a dream. And Pilate's wife has a nightmare from God. Some of your nightmares come from God. (laughs) You may find that hard to believe, but some of your nightmares come from God. And that is because God is speaking to the maturity of your spirit man, not the maturity of your carnal man. And so sometimes you can have something that seems Like a dream, like how many of you have had a dream that you would never tell anybody about? (laughs) Jackie's hand went up first, just so everybody knows. (laughs) That doesn't mean just because something was scary in a dream or intense or fearful or even sexual or strange doesn't mean that it's not God speaking to you because God All of those things that we as immature human beings that in society, like, for instance, sexual things. If you have a dream that is sexual, it could still be God speaking to you because God doesn't have the same perception of sex that we do. We act like immature kids when we're talking about sex and we get embarrassed when we're trying to talk to our children about it. God doesn't get embarrassed when he's talking about sex because he created it. So that's just one really good example of how in your dreams, God will speak in very mature ways, very mature symbolism and metaphors because he believes that you are more mature than you actually are. (laughs) And it's really important that you notice all of this. What if Pilate's wife 
thought, that dream was probably just demonic. And went back to sleep or something and didn't ever tell her husband, Pilate. Not that it would have mattered anyway because he washed his hands clean of it and Jesus was murdered anyway. But still. So what does God do in dreams? And I'm going to give you a list of specific things that God did for people in dreams. God has warned his servants when someone had ill intent towards them. God releases promises in his dreams. God reveals the future in dreams. God provides, God gives instructions and provides solutions in dreams. God imparts spiritual gifts in your dreams. Remember, God came to Solomon in a dream and asked him what he wanted. And Solomon said, I want wisdom. And God gave him wisdom in the dream. That's a spiritual gift. You have access to all the spiritual gifts that you see in the word. That means that how many of you have ever prayed that you would have the same supernatural gift of strength that Samson had? None of you? I have. You can tell it didn't work. (laughs) Not yet. But why not? Are you focusing on your dreams? I think sometimes we take visions and we hold them on a pedestal and say, oh, that person had an open vision. Let's all like really focus on that one thing. But you're having three dreams a night that are all coming from God and you just keep going back to sleep and not even thinking of them. Is God's word any more important over here than it is over here? It doesn't matter whether it's the still small voice or whether it's a big open vision. It's all God communicating to you. God created communication. How many ways can you think that humans communicate with each other? A lot, right? We use hieroglyphics. We use letters. We use numbers. We use colors. You have to stop at a red light. You have to go at a green light. That's the way society is communicating to each other. You know, we use flags. When you're surrendering, you wave a white flag. In war, people use drums and trumpets to communicate. Jesus is going to use a trumpet to communicate. (laughs) We use symbolism. We use poetry. We use metaphors. We use all, we use parables. We use all of these different ways. We use body language. That might communicate better than our mouths. God created communication, and God can speak to you in an infinite number of ways because his intelligence is limitless, right? Um, so the reason I'm saying that is because I don't, want you to downplay your dreams. And in this story, Jacob received instructions in a dream on how he would be blessed. An angel showed him what to do. An angel gave him an olive branch, an almond branch. That's what I was saying. 
Um, I believe that in this season, and maybe it's all the time, I don't know, but I feel like I'm supposed to be telling you in this season that you need to be asking God for almond branches in your dreams. Asking God for specific solutions for specific problems, and God is going to reveal them to you in your dreams. Those of you who didn't raise your hand when I said, do you dream? Maybe you just didn't raise your hand because you didn't feel like it. But for those of you who really don't dream all the time, do you ask God to give you dreams? Tara dreams almost every single night. Multiple dreams. She dreams so often I get tired of hearing about them. That's because of my flesh. She knows I love her, and I love the voice of God. I actually love the voice of God more than her. (laughs) Yeah, that means a lot, doesn't it? Because I love her a lot. Um, But she stewards her dreams. She... Every single morning when I see her wake up after I do, um, she is writing down her dreams on her phone. And if you looked at the list of, I mean, when did you start writing down your dreams? Oh my gosh, when I was 14. When you were 14. But specifically in your phone, she has years worth of just dreams. You could just scroll through it. It would take you an hour to just scroll through the entire thing. And I couldn't tell you how many times when we really stopped and tried to look at a dream, every single one of them, and asked God what they meant, God revealed what they meant. (laughs) I'm going to tell you about a dream I had. First, I'm going to read some scriptures to you. And I'm going to tell you some stories, and then I'm going to pray for you, and then we're all going to go have lunch. Right? Again, I don't know if that was a compliment or not. I'll just have a little cry later, that's all. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. 1 Samuel 28.6 says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Acts 2.17 says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. How many old men do we got here? (laughs) Only one, only Scott is old here? Oh, and my father-in-law. The rest of you are still young, so you're getting, you're getting the visions in the daytime. Um, Numbers 12.6 says, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Zechariah 2.10 says, The idols speak deceitfully. Diviners see visions that lie. 
They tell dreams that are false. They give comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wander like sheep, oppressed for lack of a shepherd. So if someone's giving people false dreams and it causes sheep to wander because they don't have a shepherd, what does that mean for people who are true shepherds? They should be having real dreams, right? Not false dreams. They should be having real visions, not false visions. And if every single one of you is supposed to be like Christ and Jesus is the good shepherd, then what does that make you? You are a shepherd of the people that are around you. And you should be having dreams and visions about them. And if you aren't, that's okay. You can start now. But I guarantee you, it's not because God's not giving them to you. It's because you're not aware that they're happening. Right? God talks to you more than anybody else talks to you. God talks to you more than your wife talks to you. Some of you are like, that can't be true. Um, God is constantly speaking to you. I promise you. And it is our job to be able to stop and learn the deep mysteries of how he communicates. And one of these ways is through dreams. And Jacob knew it. Do you know how Jacob knew it? Because his father knew it. And because his father knew it. And who ends up being the best dream interpreter? There's two people, really, in the Bible. Joseph and Daniel. Joseph is Jacob's son. And in fact, it's his dream that gets him in the whole mess in the first place that he was in. He has a dream about, you know, the wheat bowing down to him and the stars bowing down to him. And then he goes to his brothers and tells them, you're going to bow down to me. God told me. Like some dreams, you need to keep them to yourself. (laughs) Just let them happen. It's between you and God. You won't get thrown into a pit or sold into slavery. Um, I had this dream and it's so important to me. So me and Tara, when we were basically first engaged or dating, um, somehow, I don't remember how it started, but God revealed to us that symbolically butter meant God's favor. Now, how many of you agree with that? You know, you want God's favor on all your food. Um, but I, won't, I don't even remember how it happened. But I just remember that God was in I think it even started out as a joke. We were just like joking, saying that, oh, butter is like God's favor, and we want God to pour it on everything. And we literally were making a joke between each other, I think is how it started. And then God started speaking to us through the metaphor of butter. Um, But specifically, I had this dream, and I don't know if any of you know this about me, but I had gotten a DUI a few years ago. I, I had struggled with addiction for years and years and years. And I probably, I mean, I literally was demonically possessed with addiction. I would drive home from work almost every single day, and it was like someone else took over my body and drove my car to a bar almost every single night. And then I drank enough to where I felt good, and then I would drive home. And I did that hundreds of times and never got caught, never hit anything that I know of. Um, And 
Every, like literally God's hand was on my life protecting me every single time. I know it. Because the day I asked Tara to marry me, I got a DUI. <laughs> now tell me that's not God. And God spoke to me when it happened. And he said, you now have somebody else that you're accountable for. So I'm holding you to a higher standard. Yeah, imagine hearing that in jail. So I have to deal with this problem. Um, and, and I had a court date, and I, and I really, I, I loved the Lord then. I want you to know this. I was serving God. I was going after God. In fact, if I wasn't doing that, I would still be in that same place. But I, people can be struggling with real issues and real sin issues and still be in love with Jesus. And if they aren't, they're never going to get out of that issue in the first place. So don't look at people and think, well, you're just hopeless unless you just get your act together. You're never going to do anything for the Lord. No, if they're, if they're worshiping God, then fight with them. Yeah. No, don't fight with them. Fight alongside them. Amen. Don't fight with people. Um, fight with the devil. Actually, don't even fight with him. Just worship God. Um, but I had this dream. Sorry, this is taking so long. I had this dream that I, I was walking up. You remember how movie theaters used to just, they'd play, play like two movies and they'd have the ticket booth right out in the front and one person could stand in the ticket booth and you could go in on both sides. You know what I'm talking about? Um, probably a little bit before my time, but I, I was walking up to one of these ticket booths. Now, what happens when you get a traffic violation? What do you get? A ticket. So I got a ticket for being intoxicated while I was driving. And, um, and I walk up to the window, and there's this guy standing in there, and he looked like, you know, those old-time judges where they had the hat and the wigs? You know what I'm talking about? There was this judge standing in the ticket booth, and he was made uh, completely of butter. <laughs> Jesus is funny. Jesus is very funny. And he does it because he's not filled with condemnation for you. Right? He has a good sense of humor, and he knows how to make a joke about your real problems that you're so worried about. He knows how to almost make light of it, because guess what? He is light. Um, so, yeah, some of you took a while to get that. <laughs> so I walk up to the ticket booth, and I see this judge that's completely made of butter, and I have Ice butter starts coming out of my mouth. Like my mouth gets full of butter and it's just coming out of my mouth. And I go to get it out of my mouth and I realize that my hands are completely covered with butter and there's butter flowing from my hands and from my mouth and I wake up. So, in case you didn't get the analogy, the Lord was saying, my favor is covering this situation. Because he used the little joke about butter that me and Tara were making, and he turned it into a way that he was going to communicate with me. Were you going to say something, Tara? I something funny. Okay. <laughs> like, 
Two months later, I went to Austria and I was in a hotel and at the gift shop, there were these refrigerator magnets and I was looking at them and there was a magnet that said in English, everything is in butter. And, it's just, it's just and we have it on our fridge now. And it's a reminder that our entire lives are covered by the favor of God. So, so when I first got the DUI, I was asking, I went home that next morning and I got home after getting out of jail, and um, and I just asked the Lord to speak to me about the situation. And he said, I want you to look at the time that you were arrested. And I went and looked, and I was arrested at 4.20 in the afternoon. Yes, that's how early I started drinking. Um, and And... The Lord began to speak to me about that number. The number meant something else before, but, and some of you might know what that means, but God redeemed this number and is now starting to speak to me through the number 420. Um, And he tells me, go look and see what time you were arrested. So I went and looked, and it was at 420 in the afternoon. And I have my first court date. They don't call my name. I have my second court date, which ends up being on April 20th, 4.20. And they didn't call my name again. And they said, if this is your second time that you've been here and you didn't call your name, come to the front. And I went to the front and they said, well, the police, they haven't actually filed your arrest or whatever. Um, And so you just need to keep checking in every couple weeks to see if they file it. And if they don't file it for two years, then you're off the hook. And I checked it for two years, and they never filed it. And I had so much comfort in that situation because I knew that Jesus was talking to me in my dream. I knew that Jesus told me that his favor would cover that situation. Now, if you're nice and religious and all, then you would think, well, you deserve punishment, right? Well, how many of you deserve punishment? Jesus doesn't do that anymore (laughs) because he took the punishment already. And so now his grace and mercy actually covers your situations where you deserve punishment and you don't get it anymore. And he actually blesses you out of the situations. Even when you deliberately choose to disobey him, (laughs) that's how good Jesus is. Dreams mean so much to me and my wife. She had a dream just a couple night, just Friday night. She said that she was in the dream she's driving, and that I had said to her that I was just going to quote go out and speak truth, <laughs> which is sometimes what I tell Tara. I'm like Tara, I'm just going to go out and just tell everybody what the truth is about Jesus, and she's just like calm down. Um, <laughs> Uh, so so I, I, in her dream, was walking down Socialville Foster Road, and I just started yelling and preaching the kingdom, um, and then I started talking about Sean Foyt. Do you know who Sean Foyt is? He's the worship leader that's doing the hold the line where he's going around and just doing all of those worship settings in all the different cities, you know, believing that God is going to bless America and bring revival. 
Um, so I started, I was just preaching the kingdom and I started talking about him and I was talking about how a move of holiness was coming to America. I preached against sin. I preached the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there were a few families that were already at the end of the road where there is construction right now. You know how they're putting uh, a roundabout right at the end of Sociable Foster? Um, It's funny because she had the dream, and yet all week long I've been driving right up to that roundabout where the construction is and then having to go through the neighborhood in order to get here to work. So I literally have ran into that construction, like not literally ran into it, but I figuratively ran into the construction and I had to go around it probably 10, 15 times this week. And, and this all has meaning. I'm, I'm telling this so you can know every single thing in your dream, God is so brilliant that he will use it. Even when you don't think that it's from him, don't you think he's smart enough to at least make up an analogy about your dream that didn't come from him, that you think came from pizza? Like, just ask him anyway. He'll start to speak to you and reveal things to you. So she had this dream, and God revealed to me the entire meaning of the dream. Um, So there were a few families already at the end of the road where the construction zone is, but more people started gathering in the field, and started laying. I started laying hands on them. I had been... Yeah, she had been following me and just interceding, but but I turned to her and told her to start laying hands on people, and so she did. Um... And that was basically the dream. There's some other little things, but it doesn't really matter. But let's break it down for a second. Socialville Foster Road. We are to foster. This is what the Lord's doing, and God's speaking this to Tara in a dream. Okay? And it's important for all of us, and it's important that you learn how to interpret your dreams, because God's doing it for you too. So, Socialville Foster... It's something I'm very familiar with. I drive down it almost every single day to get to work. I know that that construction zone's there. And God is wanting us to foster society, socialville society. God's wanting us to foster society, and we're in a season of construction right now. And all we're supposed to be doing is preaching against sin and preaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is what is going to build society into a way that brings the kingdom of God here on earth. Does that make sense? Do you see how just one tiny little dream that had so much relevance to me, because I've been experiencing it, she doesn't know. She didn't even go that way at all to church. She went somewhere else. So she wasn't running into the construction. I was. But she had the dream because God's speaking to her in dreams. God's giving you almond branches constantly. The reason Tara is able to dream almost every single night is because she's fostered it in her own life and she's stewarded it. And so to he who has, more will be given. So if you begin to foster your dreams, writing them down, God's speaking to you through them. When people find out, like I love interpreting dreams for people who feel like they've never heard the voice of God before, because when you interpret it accurately, they find out that they're hearing from God, that God's speaking to them personally, and guess what? They feel known. That's right. 
they feel like God actually knows who they are. If you don't know how to interpret dreams, if you don't dream, get into it. Beg God for it. Ask God for it. Ask God to reveal what your dreams mean. So we, I told our staff on our staff meeting uh, this last week, Randy wanted me to share this in staff meeting, and I started praying and asking that God would release almond branches in our dreams. And that night, I had a dream where God revealed to me how to solve a problem that I was having. Just a really practical thing that we can do here at church. Because of time, I won't go into the whole thing. But that's how simple it is. How many of you have problems? Man, there's not many people raising their hands. (laughs) God wants to release solutions to you in your dreams. God wants to give you almond branches. Worship team, if you can go ahead and come up. Everybody go ahead and stand. We'll just end it right there. Was this helpful? Sometimes I don't really know how to end. So I just keep going and going and going. So I'll just end. How many of you want God to solve problems in your dreams? Do you understand that in this story... Jesus was teaching this lesson that when you present, people reproduce what it is that they are looking at during the most intimate times of their life. So remember, the sheep were going to the watering place. All of us, our souls are constantly thirsting for something, right? And your soul is like a dry sponge or it's like a sponge that is constantly going to soak up anything and everything that is around them. Yeah, prayer team, you can come up too. So these sheep are going to the watering place because they're thirsting. And your soul is thirsting. And then they start mating, which is metaphorical for intimacy, right? In your most vulnerable places in life, your most intimate places in life, what you are looking at is what you will become. And Jacob knew how to be prospered because of a dream that God gave him. And he started making these lines and placing it in front of the sheep. I believe what God is is telling us is that... Maybe some of you personally are going through a very vulnerable and intimate moment in your life or season. But definitely as the body of Christ as a whole, we are. There's a lot of schisms going on right now in the body of Christ. And there's only... You know how the angel of the Lord said to um, Joshua... Joshua said... Whose side are you on? And basically, the angel of the Lord said, I'm not on either side. I'm on God's side. Whose side are you on? <laughs> are you on God's side in this season of, of shaking 
that the Lord is doing to the church. So we're all going through, especially in the last year and a half, we've all gone through a very vulnerable, intimate, if you will, spiritual experience. Spiritual warfare completely took place over our entire nation. And what did your eyes look at the entire time that it was happening? Because that's what's going to be reproduced in you. I believe God is wanting to teach us a lesson not just for us personally, but for the people that we're discipling and the people that we're sharing the gospel with, that if we want people to bear good fruit and to reproduce the kingdom, then we need to be the almond branches, if you will. We need to be stepping in front of people and showing people this is what it looks like when you follow Jesus and you're in love with Jesus. And I promise you, they have a choice, right? They can choose to reject God, but most likely those people will become like you. That's what God is trying to teach in this story to us today. I think so many times we try out of our own strength to help people. We try to correct them. We try to, you know, get them to do what's right trying to disciple them, we're trying to get them to step out, we're trying to get them to do all of these different things as kind of pastors in people's life. I'm not just talking about like vocational ministry pastor, but I'm talking about you pastoring other people in your life. How many of you feel like there's people you're trying to disciple and they just aren't getting it? (laughs) Anybody? You are the almond branch. If you would just be that example of Jesus in their life and they look at you enough they will become it I can't tell I mean that's what happened in my life I literally just got I got around people that showed me what the love of God looked like and I became it it wasn't because of any teaching I heard it wasn't because of some class I went through it was because I was around almond branches So everyone just go ahead and lift your hands. I want to pray that God would impart almond branches to you right now. I want you to think of a situation that you're dealing with. Think of an issue. And Holy Spirit, I ask that tonight, tonight, in their dreams, as they sleep, that they will receive almond branch solutions and that they would steward it Lord, I thank you for prophetic revelation and wisdom and solutions and knowledge and wisdom that Jesus, you are constantly speaking to us even when we sleep and that you are imparting spiritual gifts. God, I ask that even tonight you would impart spiritual gifts to people as they sleep, that they would wake up feeling like a completely different person, that they would wake up feeling like there's something inside of them that wasn't there before, that came from you, God. So everyone just say, I receive that in the name of Jesus.